Welcome to Writers Forum, a weekly presentation of WRBHFM. I'm Sherry Alexander, and this week we're talking to Cheryl Gerber, author most recently of Cherchez La Femme, New Orleans Women. Welcome to Writers Forum, Cheryl. Thanks, Sherry. Happy to be here. Nice to see you again. Um, you're a freelance photographer. Uh, do you call yourself a photojournalist? Or? I did for many years, up until about five years ago. Uh, you know, the news industry's changed a great deal, and I've had to shift uh, most of my work from journalism to event and assignment photography. Now, you, you were born here, so you're a New Orleans girl. But you were brought up, uh, what did you say, across the lake? Yeah, on uh, in Madisonville, uh, Louisiana. I moved over there when we were about 12. My dad wanted to have a farm and some pigs and a cow and that sort of thing. So we went for greener pastures. Did you take pictures when you were young? I did. My mom bought me a brownie camera when I was a kid. And she bought her, she used to go to garage sales a lot. So she, that's where she picked up the brownie camera. And she picked up a, a video, or I guess it was a hot eight film camera for herself so she really inspired me she was always taking pictures and movie films did you start off with animals or did you go right for people mostly for people people in the family and flowers i love <laughs> flowers <laughs> well you won a lot of awards um for your more recent photo photos um since you became a professional and unlike many people in the industry you make a living Freelance. Yeah. You, you've, you've sold things to the New York Times, um, a lot of things to Gambit Weekly here yeah. in town. And I know you've won some press club awards. Cause yeah, I've been very, very fortunate. You know, when I started out, um, there wasn't a, a huge market in New Orleans. There was Gambit and the Times-Picayune. And um, I, Gambit already had a photographer, so... I just decided to do a story on my own. I wrote it and took the pictures. It was on the gutter punks in the mid-90s that were hanging out on Decatur Street, and it was a huge hit, and I won my first award for that and have been working for Gambit ever since then. The, the rest is history. And the rest you, is history. You also were kind of a Michael Smith groupie for people not lucky enough to be from New Orleans or living in New Orleans. Um, he was really one of the most popular, if not the most popular, photographer around. Yeah, I would say he is an iconic photographer of New Orleans um, street culture and music. He photographed every single jazz fest that, you know, until he died recently. Um, I was working as a reporter, an editorial assistant at New Orleans Magazine, and I got laid off during this buyout by one of the owners. And I went to a show at a gallery for fine photography and I saw Michael's work there and it blew my mind because even growing up in New Orleans and on the North Shore, Mike's work showed a side of New Orleans that I didn't never saw before, mostly the black second lines and the Mardi Gras the Indians, Indians and, yeah. and all of that. And I just was blown away. I was like, well, I have to meet this guy. Well, back then we had the white pages and there were lots of Michael Smiths in the news in the in the phone book. But I just called and called until I reached him, and, you know, he was like, what do you want? <laughs> I said, well, I just want to, um, you know, see your work. I'll do anything. I'll work for you for free, whatever you need. And he would just say, call me back in a week. After a half dozen calls, um, he finally agreed to meet with me, and he still couldn't think of anything that I could do for him because he worked solo. So um, I moved to Honduras to teach English because I had nothing else going on. 
And while I was there, we started corresponding, and I got a postcard that said, I found something you can do for me. And so when I got back, I moved into his studio on Race Street, which was amazing because the place was surrounded with, you know, photographs and and books on photography, and he gave me a few books specifically to look at. And um, for about a year, I did his printing. I set up uh, booths at festivals and, you know, made made and produced postcards of his work to sell, that sort of thing. Hey, do you studied uh, photography in college? Was I, that... I didn't. I studied um, liberal arts with an emphasis in journalism, but I did take a one photography class during that time, and my boyfriend at the time bought me a camera, so I became very interested. And I only, at that time, thought it would be great to be able to take photos to go with my stories. Um, but then when I was working at the St. Tammany News Banner as a reporter, I got so sick of seeing my stories covered in red ink, and I noticed that my photos would get printed larger and the stories were getting smaller, <laughs> and I thought, well, that's probably a sign that I should do more photography. So, well, but, you know, it's hard brain, to right brain, we're all gifted in different ways, and you're certainly gifted as a photographer. Oh, thank you. Now, you um, dedicate this book to Bonnie Warren, yeah. and she's a very special person in your life. She I know. really is, because back when I was a reporter, a writer, trying to be a photographer, um, I had to wait tables at the gumbo shop. And I kept hearing all my journalist friends tell me how Bonnie Warren took them to brunch at Brennan's and... I kept thinking to myself, God, if I could just meet Bonnie Warren, maybe, you know, my life <laughs> would <lunch>. change. <laughs> and she came in alone to the gumbo shop. I don't know if the word had gotten out or if it was just serendipity, but she invited me to brunch at Brennan's and we started working together. And, and you put out a couple of books with her. We did. We put two books out together, one um, both by Pelican Publishing. One is his New Orleans Historic Homes, and the other one is uh, New Orleans Homes at Christmas. And you've also, uh, we interviewed you when your first book came out, which I was just looking over it, uh, Life and Death and the Big Easy. Yeah. This was a fascinating book, mostly photographs, mm -hmm. little text. But what you did was you paired up pictures of people that people might not think offhand would go together. Right. Well, you know, I was kind of looking over my work during that period, 10, 20 years before Katrina and 10 years after Katrina. And New Orleans, from a photographer's point of view and as somebody who grew up here, New Orleans is the, you know, the disparity, disparities are huge. And so I started noticing these photos of um, you know, middle-class, upper-class kids at the JCC jumping into the swimming pool, and then African-American kids jumping off the porch onto discarded mattresses. They're both doing the same thing. It's just the disparities were so huge. And I just started seeing a lot of this in my work, so I put them together, and I got Lola's Eric Eli to write a foreword, and Chris Rose wrote a uh, a beautiful essay about such disparities. I thought it turned out well. It was it was beautiful, and as mm -hmm. I said, I hadn't looked at it in a while. And and sometimes you're you paired them up with colors, yeah. and sometimes it was the activity, and sometimes it was activities that might not seem to be the same. You know, some society uptown thing, and then some right. um, street downtown thing, and yet 
They were expressing the same feelings. I thought you had it's, a great that's sensitivity. One the, that's one of the things about New Orleans is though we're very diverse and very different, we have a commonality that runs through all of us. We all celebrate Mardi Gras just in different ways, but we all dress up and you know hit the streets in one way or the other. We all love to um, celebrate life and death, and that's that's New Orleans. Well, that was a great deal of fun. Now let's talk about the beautiful new book, Cherche la Femme. The cover has a picture of some women, and the main color is this beautiful, I guess, hot pink, hot maybe pink. you'd call it. It's just striking. What yeah. inspired you to write another book? Well, the um, Women's March, January seventeenth, two 2017, um, really inspired me because I photographed a lot of protests in my career. This was the biggest one I'd ever seen. I, I walked with my cameras from my home to Washington Square and was completely bowled over by how many women were there. And as all New Orleans events, it was colorful. People came with signs and costumes and pink hats. and um, <laughs> The pink hats were so striking. Oh, it was so striking. From above, especially. And I saw, you know, uh, Helena Moreno out there. I saw... Um, lots of different people I knew with their daughters who were now teenagers, and I realized a movement was taking shape, and I said, well, there's got to be something done on New Orleans women. So I started working on it right away. I observed part of that march. Some of my friends were going, and they said, well, come and just see us when we set off. I didn't follow through. Yeah. But even the gathering place was all kinds of people. Yeah, it was really beautiful. So, so you've organized a couple hundred photographs here, um, 11 different topics. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one, uh, culinary, you feature Le Leah Chase quite a bit. Yeah, Leah, um, of course, she was the matriarch of New Orleans, and she knew about the book, and um, we talked about it a lot. And the last time I saw her was for the grand opening of the New Orleans Culinary and Hospitality Institute. And um, I went to tell her how the book was coming along, and she grabbed my hand and she said, keep doing what you're doing because it's important. And I teared up as I walked away, and I didn't realize that would be the last time I saw her, but um, I'm glad she said that to me. It really had a profound impact on me. Well, now, each of these sections, I should mention, has um, you had a journalist write about this yeah. section, and not only current um, women in New Orleans, but in the past, you know, yeah. putting it into a little perspective, uh, great women um, in the past in New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I, <laughs> I tell people, I've been around a long time, but not long enough to have photographed Marie Laveau and, you know, the Baroness Pantalba. But the journalists that I picked are all accomplished authors and longtime freelance journalists and newspaper reporters. And they really added so much substance to the book. Without their essays, um, it just would have been really nice, a nice photograph book of women today. But I love how we were able to tie in how the women who came before us influenced the women of today. Well, and you have several pictures of members of the Brennan family, yeah. um, which is another big family here. I guess... Probably uh, Ella Brennan and Leah Chase are yeah. maybe the two best known for the culinary aspects of New Orleans. 
Definitely. Um, of course, Leah had her father-in-law's place, Dookie Chase, and mm-hmm. made it into so much more than just a restaurant. And the Brennans, I mean, Commanders and, what, half a dozen other places, the whole family has restaurants exactly. all over. Yeah, I mean, and I was, um, I couldn't include Ella in this contemporary book, but Helen Fraun, the writer who wrote a, the essay about Leah and interviewed Leah for the, um, that chapter, did talk about Ella Brennan and her influence on the culinary. Well, and the pictures of her daughter, um, and T. Martin, and, Lally and, and her cousin and, that mm-hmm. run the things now. And, I mean, the whole Brennan family is involved, yeah. and it's a lot of women. I mean, they name... Well, they had Adelaide. Yeah. So most of the names were men's names, but still. Well, I love that chapter and um, this disclaimer. I was at this pleasant ladies' luncheon with, <laughs> where you took a picture of um, some some well-known women with um, Leah Chase. I was kind of standing off to the side, and when I saw you hadn't cropped me out, I. I said, well, I'll invite her to an interview anyway, <laughs> even though she she didn't really. Um, yeah, that's a nice photo of you and Angela Hill with Leah Chase. I think Dale Curry's in the picture as well. Well, I just happened to be standing next to them. Um, the second chapter was on uh, musicians, and here again. The diversity yeah. of female musicians in this city is overwhelming. Um, Alison Fennerstock, longtime music journalist wrote a really great essay covering the history of New Orleans women, how they were the ones who really documented what was going on in the jazz world. And she covered all the way from Sweet Emma up to Cheeky Black, a well-known... Mahalia Jackson. Mahalia Jackson. You know, I wish I was old enough to have photographed her, but I was still in high school. And um, yeah, so that was really great. Well, you have Irma Thomas, Charmaine Neville, and then some of the groups, um, the Dixie Cups. Yeah, the Dixie Cups, the Fister Sisters, who have been together, still performing 40 years later. Um, one of the fun times I had was going to see the original Pinnett's Brass Band, the only all-girl brass band who perform at Bullets Bar every week. Um, got to photograph uh, Terriana Tank Bell of Tank and the Bangas, who's making a huge splash right now. So it was it was really fun. I particularly uh, have an affinity for the Dixie Cups. I was a professor at Loyola, and we had a law student who wrote a uh, her thesis on how what happened to their copyrights, which oh. I had never thought of with these musicians, but especially not just women, but poor musicians mm-hmm. didn't always um, have the insight and the means to hire copyright lawyers and right. it became a huge issue. With well, I the, hope they copyrighted Ico Ico because that's <laughs> an amazing song. Well, on the topic of business women, you have a whole section on them. I I particularly were familiar, was familiar with um, some of the designers, Mignon Faget and Yvonne, Yvonne Le Fleur. Yeah. I had a friend from New York. She was visiting to give a talk and um, this writer named George Plimpton had passed away, and she said she was going to a party that had been planned for him before they knew how ill he was, and she wanted to buy a dress, you know, a gown, a beautiful gown, and she said, well, but I'm not in New York, and I don't have time to go back, and I took her to Yvonne Lafleur. Oh. I said, well, we've got 
just as classy as New York Yvonne designers. Yvonne LaFleur just celebrated her 50th year in business. And that place is more than a retail store. I mean, it is dressed generations of New Orleanians for carnival balls, debutante balls, um, weddings, all of that. And she is just as beautiful today and hospitable as she was 50 years ago. Well, and Kathy Finn, who wrote that particular uh, chapter, she knows everything about uh, business. She she wrote a book about uh, more recently about Tom Benson, so we interviewed her for that. But yeah, she's a wonderful. She, she was editor of City writer. Business. I mean, she knows. Yeah, that's why I asked her to do that. Um, pick some great writers. And I love how she wrote about, it wasn't just about women in business. It was about women following their very New Orleans dreams and putting it into business, you know, including Sally Ann Glassman, who is a voodoo priestess who owns a store. <laughs> That's kind of an unusual voodoo priestess. She, yeah. she doesn't look like you think a voodoo priestess would look like, and her background is not... But. Jewish girl from Maine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you, you said it. <laughs> um, and then a couple of the chapters, you know, there's some overlap, of course. You have philanthropists... And activists, and really, there's there's a bit of overlap with yep. some of them, socialites, and again, starting with the Baroness de Pantabla, yep. um, and today, um, oh, Sandy Rosenthal, the Levy's Org people, you yep. know, all those people are amazing. I mean, amazing. if you think about after Katrina, people like Ruthie Frierson starting Citizens for One Greater New Orleans, Women of the Storm with Anne Milling, and um, you know, all of those women, they didn't have to do what they did. They could have just, you know, they didn't their sit lives. around the house. They no. organized, they lobbied Congress. Um, you also include Sybil Morial. Um, talk about her. She's also, we've interviewed her. I learned so much. She wrote her autobiography, and, you know, we know her as the wife of the first African American mayor and mother of another mayor. But she was very active um, socially before she even married. Yes. And I learned all that from reading her book. Her book, is, her book is amazing. And, you know, I think the name of it is uh, Witness to Change. And she um, is an, a very impressive woman who's been a pillar of the community and really helped with civil rights and making New Orleans a better place. Well, now several of the chapters, it's hard to keep them really separate <laughs> because they're all in some way related to carnival. Mm -hmm. It's um, a huge part of our culture. The You have a chapter on um, Mardi Gras Indian Queens, which I have to admit in my ignorance, I didn't even realize, you know, when I, the limited times I've gone out on the streets, I've only seen males. And I've mm -hmm. only seen male Indians at um, Jazz Fest. And I've gone to presentations, and it was male Indians. The female Indians are fairly recent. I, I don't know how recent they are. To me, just going out on the streets, they appear to be making a huge impact on, you know, Super Sunday and Mardi Gras. Uh, people like Sharice Harrison Nelson, who have really stepped up the education on Mardi Gras Indians. Um, now her father was a big, big uh, chief Donald Harris, guardians of the flame, yeah, or whatever. So, yeah, and maybe sure, that had something to do with her sparking her interest. Well, and I, at this most recent uh, St. Joseph's Day night, I went out in Central City, and Cherise came out in all white 
and she greeted every single little girl. There were so many little girls who were dressed up as little Indian queens or princesses. I don't know what you call them, but she greeted each and every one of them. It was very moving to see that kind of royal spectacle in the streets of New Orleans. It's a very uh, beautiful thing to witness. Well, before that, we always thought of the baby dolls mm -hmm. as the female side of that, you know, the street parades and mm -hmm. so on. And Kim Voss DeVille has written a couple of books. We've talked to her. Yeah, her most recent one, Walking Ratty. It was wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, and she tells us the history of the baby dolls, and you got her to write that chapter. Yeah, she, um, and I'm really glad she did because there were a lot of baby dolls in recent history that I didn't photograph. Um, honestly, I end up photographing Canal Street for Mardi Gras most times because I take assignments, so I didn't have a lot of baby dolls in my collection, and she really opened my eyes to how much of a growing um, sisterhood it is. Well, here again, for those who don't have the luxury of living here and just visited New Orleans, which we everyone should do in his lifetime mm -hmm. if you haven't already, um, the baby dolls, they started out, they were mostly, according to Kim, women of ill repute. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, nice women didn't want to really be identified with them, African-American women. But in, in recent years, as you say, there's just been this incredible renaissance, mm -hmm. um, even to the point that there are white women who now like to mask mm -hmm. as baby dolls. Yeah, it's an empowering thing for a lot of the women to be able to dress up and, you know, just take charge on the streets with their umbrellas. Well, they, and, they... and your pictures... You know, I think your Mardi Gras pictures to me are because I just love the colors. Yeah. Um, the crews, the female crews, there has been, I mean, except for um, the only really marching crew that most of us saw um, during the day was Iris. Yeah. Um, there had been some others, but in recent years, it was mostly Iris. And then all of a sudden, with yeah, the new millennium came... I think came, it started with the Pussyfooters and the Muses Parade and Nicks and Muses rival Bacchus and Endymion. Well, I think yeah, I think I read that um, one of them is is has the biggest crew. Nicks, I mean, yeah, Nicks, and and they march at night, mm -hmm. which is something completely different. Muses, and they again they have an unusual twist that their throws, as we call them, in most parades. I was just watching the Rose Bowl parade and mm -hmm. thinking, yeah, but what are they throwing? <laughs> Um, in Mardi Gras crews, they throw things at you, and they, these crews have such strong uh, emblematic throws. Like the muses, they decorate old shoes, and we're all clamoring to get these high-heeled shoes. And they're not just shoes. I mean, these are like art shoes. We have I one mean, out <laughs> in the studio here that somebody made, a volunteer who works here is in muses and made a special WRBH shoe. Well, I've never gotten one, but I'm hoping because of the book this year, somebody will give me a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> hint, hint, folks. Um, anyway, and then, the, as you say, the marching clubs, the women's marching clubs. Now, a lot of them have these double entendre names, mm -hmm. but um, the pussyfooters, the camel toe step, lady steppers, yep. the muffaladas, I mean, <laughs> but... It's not just the rolling Elvi anymore and the no, it's an 610 explosion. stompers. I mean, we have some women out there, and you, your pictures are just glorious. Thank you. I had so much fun photographing them. 
And then we'll just mention briefly, you have a chapter on burlesque, which yeah, <laughs> is you know. something different for us to treat with a different kind of eye because, you know, most people think of burlesque as a hoochie-coochie, you know, Evangeline, the oyster girl, or, I mean, yeah. New Orleans was famous, Blaze Star. It was famous for a long time, and then it just kind of went away, I guess, with the same way that Bourbon Street went. A lot of the clubs um, started catering to a different crowd, but people like Trixie Minx and Bella Blue, they have really carved out a lucrative niche and have brought it to a, an art level that rivals the Oyster Girl and Blaze from those days. I enjoyed looking at the pictures, and not in any kind of salacious way, the way, no. you know, men are assumed to look at women in burlesque. No, but in fact, when I was out photographing these, it was most of them were standing room only, and you know who was in the audience? Women. women. <laughs> it was bachelorette parties and, you know, a lot of dates. I didn't see many men just sitting there by themselves. It, it's more of a, it's very entertaining and colorful and, 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 and funny. There's a comedy element to a lot of them. Now, you've, you've photographed a lot, many famous people. <coughs> Excuse me, I remember Brad and Angelina mm -hmm. in your first book, Princess Diana. Yeah. That must have been a thrill. I've been lucky to be in the right place at the right time. <laughs> well, maybe you'll do a sequel to this one. I hope so. I hope I can include women in um, media. I'd love to include literary and visual artists. Now, you have a launch as we tape this. Your launch is Thursday, January 16th at 6 o'clock at the, pardon me, New Orleans Jazz Museum. Yeah, that's the old U.S. Mint on at 400 Esplanade. Well... You've gotten a lot of coverage, and this week yeah. you're all over magazines, newspapers. <laughs> Susan Larson, who's just a beloved, um, she's the world's, the city's expert, really, on books. And she wrote about you in NOLA.com. She says, the images are beautiful and crisp. Some are elegantly posed portraits. Other photographs are packed with action and emotion. Pride in our city and love for its complicated makeup and cultural traditions are writ large on every page, which I That's think is amazing. quite a tribute. Um, An amazing to, compliment from Susan Larson, who I admire greatly. Well, you've been listening to Writers Forum, and we want to thank our guests this week, Cherche Lafemme, New Orleans Women, Cheryl Gerber. Um, I'm Sherry Alexander for WRBH.